Sometime this afternoon, Ray was telling me that uh, I should give some testimony about how I came into recovery. Well, I never came into recovery <laughs> because I was born in it. <laughs> you know? Even before I was born, my parents are already in the recovery. <laughs> so in a sense, I was born into a recovery. <laughs> the Lord has been so merciful to our family. My father and my mother were separate for eight years because of the Sino-Japanese War. My father was in the Philippines doing business, and after he married my mother, he took my mother home to, to China to visit my grandparents. And my grandparents loved my mother so much, so they asked my father, would you let her stay for one more month? <laughs> so my father agreed, and that one month turned into eight years. Because my father went back, and the Sino-Japanese war broke out, and Japanese blockaded all the China Sea. So there is no traffic between China and the Philippines. So for eight years, my mother is in the inland of China and my father is in Manila. It's, the uh, Japanese war started four years earlier than the Second World War, for you who are not that old to remember. <laughs> <laughs> and so for all those times, my mother was separated from my father. But the Lord does things in a marvelous way. In, tai in China, that's in Fukien province of China, my grandmother, who is a very, very, very deep Buddhist, who worships so many gods, because she's, a, she's very much afraid that if she doesn't worship one god, that god would be so jealous that she worship another god that she will come out and be against her. So she worships all kinds of gods. And let me tell you what kind of god she had. She worshipped the door god. She worshipped the stove god. She worshipped the tree god. She worshipped all kinds of god. And because of all this worshipping, she felt that she is really tired just worshipping all this. <laughs> and you know, the more you worship, the more fearful you are. That's how idol worshipping is. The more you worship, the more you're fearful because you don't know which of these gods that you will offend today, you know. There's so many. But then one day, there is this great evangelist of China that came through our part of the province. And his name is John Song. Have you ever heard of John Song? Yeah, he is actually from the same town that Brother Ni was. If you have that book against the tide, there's a picture there of Watchman Nee and Jan Song and another brother, I believe, Wang Chai. There's uh, Lilan Wang. They were all contemporary. Song, S-U-N-G, not Jan Song. Huh? <laughs> <coughs> Just want to make sure. Anyway. He is a very great evangelist. He came to our hometown and my grandmother got saved. And after my grandmother got saved, he get my mother and all, the whole Lim family got saved because of that. And there is 70 or 80 people there. And at that time, because it's during the Japanese war, there is no letter that could go across to, to the Philippines, you know. So my parents, my, my mother and my grandmother and my aunt, they were all praying very, very, very hard for my father and my uncle, who were left in the Philippines. And of course, they heard that the Japanese invaded the Philippines and all this, you know. But they were praying so hard, and the Lord did something miraculously. You know, Watchman Nee was in Manila in the 30s. And just out of one trip there, a few churches got established. And one of them is the church in Manila. I think it was established in the 30s. And through the heart prayer of my grandmother and my mother, 
my uncle and my father got saved in the recovery. You know, they were baptized in the recovery, and they were really secret, especially my uncle was really a seeker of the Lord. So after the war, the Japanese war, the first thing my father did is to, to fly back to China, claim his wife, whom he knows for only one month, and took her back to Manila. And my mother just, dive into the church life you know, without any problem. You know. So since then, our whole family is in the church life. Amen. <clears throat> and you know, in 1948, or around 1948, Burley has to leave China because of the communist takeover of mainland China. He went to Taiwan. And some of the other brothers went from Shanghai to the Philippines. You know. So Philippine has other brothers from Fuchao, from Shanghai, that were in the church in Manila. And they were going on. And when they saw that Brother Lee came out of uh, Shanghai to Taipei, then they went and met Brother Lee in Taipei. And in 1950, that was the first time that Brother Lee went to Manila. Okay, uh, my uncle invited him to come to Manila, and my father was the one who arranged all the visas for Brother Lee to come to, uh, to Manila. Because at that time, it's very, very difficult to go from Taiwan to Manila because of visa problem. Because the whole China is in turmoil, and the uh, Philippines doesn't want the whole island turn into the third China, you know. So uh, there is a lot of uh, difficulty in getting visa. But it so happened that my father knows the immigration uh, commissioner. So the immigration commissioner says, no problem, I'll go to, with you to the airport. And uh, they went in his car to the airport and parked the car right beside the ladder. You know, in the past, you have to go up a ladder to the plane. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. It seems like so long ago. <laughs> so Brawley come down from the ladder, and that car was waiting for him. And off they go to the meeting. So that's how Brawley was introduced to the Philippines. And for 10 years, Brawley went to the Philippines and stayed about four to five months a year in the Philippines from 1950 to 1961. He just kept going there over and over again. And so we got to know him quite well because of all his ministering. I don't quite remember, but I was always made to remember that uh, when Broly first went to the Philippines, he preached in our house. Our house happened to be also the whole two of Manila. We have three stories house, you know, <laughs> and the second story is the meeting hall. And uh, I think the sitting capacity is a little bit bigger than the whole one. So when Broly went there, the uh, special conference was held at our house. You know. And so Broly spoke for the first time in November of 1950 in the church in Manila. And at that time, my brother, you know Robert, was being born in the house while Broly is preaching outside. <laughs> <laughs> at that time, I don't know why, my, my mother never goes to a hospital to have children. He has midwife to come to our house. Is that familiar here? Do people do that? Yeah. Anyway, at that time in the 50s, that's how my mother did. So actually, Robert was being born while Broly was speaking outside. <laughs> and I was two years old. So they are all busy, you know. By the time Broly's finished speaking, you know, I was always reminded 
that I too went up the stage and tried to mimic Brother Lee. <laughs> and they have to get me down because that's not supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, for so many, for 10 years, Brother Lee came and we really enjoyed his others. Uh, uh, we really enjoyed his uh, ministry. And for those years, he really built up something in the church in Manila, which today everyone's remember. You know. And that is why he also has a, something special in his heart about the Philippines, because he spent so much of those years there in the Philippines. Amen. But all through that time, I never know that he has so many children. I thought Broly is all by himself. Because I never know, I, I, I don't think he ever bring Sister Lee to the Philippines, right? I don't think so. And as children, we never think too much, you know. Since he come alone, he must be alone. <laughs> and uh, do you like to hear how I met Susanna? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I never know that Brawley has children. I thought he is something like Paul. No wife, no children, just preaching for the Lord. <laughs> but in 1971, when I first went to the, to, to the States, at first I went to uh, Northern California. I, I went to study. Then some of the saints called me and said, Brawley's gonna give a conference. So I better come down. So I did. I went down and I went to Eldon Hall. And when I went to Eldon Hall, I was actually looking for a sister called Felisa's son. Felisa was from the Philippines too, you know. And she is a very close friend of my sister. And she was the one who called me and said, come down because Broly is having a conference. So I was looking for her. I actually went down there uh, half-heartedly for the conference. I went there because Stanford could play the Ross Ball at Ross Ball. It's American football, you know. And I was at Stanford. Yeah, Stanford University. And we are supposed to play Michigan at the Rose Bowl. So I said, well, I'll kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> I will go make an appearance at the conference and I'll go watch this football and see how Stanford would clobber the University of Michigan. <laughs> Are the people here fun of our football? <laughs> our quarterback at that time is Jim Plunkett. Ever heard of him? Great guy. <laughs> oh really? It's the one that is standing in the quarter place behind the back. There's a quarterback, fullback, and all this. Anyway, huh? Yeah, there's a halfback and there's a quarterback. That's one fourth of the back. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not too clear, too. <laughs> so I went there with a lot of Stanford students. And we went down there without mass tank. They, they drove their mass tanks there. You know, you know, in the 60s, 70s, everyone lost mass tank. You know those Ford mass tank? Yeah, it's a kind of car. Thank you. So by the time we reached LA, I was telling them, I said, well, do you want a free meal? And all of those guys say, yeah, where can we get some free meals? I said, I know there's a love feast area, but I didn't call it love feast, I said it's a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at Eldon Hall, and it's a Friday night, 
the game is on Saturday, you know, on a Friday night, and I said, there is a free meal there. Do you want to go? And we are all poor students. <laughs> Everyone said, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and so we all went to Elden Hall. And I was looking for Felisa, you know. But they cannot find Felisa there. And one of the uh, ushers said, well, actually Felisa just lives in Westmoreland, which is very close to Elden Hall. You have been there, right? Quite a few times, huh? And he said, but uh, although it's so close, it's very hard to get there. Someone has to show you how to get there. So he said, let, let, let's find someone to show you. And lo and behold, someone show up, and that is Susanna. <laughs> and she said, she will show you to Felisa's home. So she came and took me to Felisa's home. It's the first time I met her. But I don't know that she is Rodolfo's daughter. So I went into that door, and Felisa was there, and Martha Ball was there, and uh, some other sisters. And I was so surprised with the first comment of Martha Ball. To these days, I kept reminding her of that. She was sitting in a rocking chair, you know, rocking away. And she said, well, brother, where are you from? I said, I'm from the north. He said, oh, how old are you? I never know that American sister could be so aggressive, you know. <laughs> Martha Ball is Francis Ball's wife right now, so she is quite older. So I don't mean in that kind of aggressiveness. <laughs> but then she said, how old are you? I said, oh, I'm 20-something. He said, we will get you married here. <laughs> I was so taken back. I said, what in the world is this? So much we have to do to get a free meal. <laughs> If you ask Martha today, she would deny it. She said, she never said such things. <laughs> but that's how I first met Susanna. But how we developed is in 1972, you know, there Broly gave an informal training on the Song of Songs. He gave this in Los Angeles. Have you? You have seen those tapes, right? Were you there? Partly? It's a long, long training. I think it's six weeks or something. It's a long training, informal training. During the week, you know, Broly would share on the Song of Songs. And those were marvelous messages, you know. And it shares about how we should be crazy lover of Christ, you know. And in those, I don't know if you remember, but in those messages, he shared about how much books he has of Brother Nee that he has brought over to the U.S. When I heard that, right away, my mind started thinking, how could I get hold of those books so that I could read it? You know? And at that time, it happened that Susanna was at the, in the North California for her job training with Bank of America. And when we bought the first hall in San Jose, California, all the churches around the Bay Area came to renovate that hall. And Susanna was one of them. And she hurt herself. So the brother said, well, we are so busy, what could we do? He said, Albert, why don't you drive her back to the sister's house, you know, which is only about five minutes away. So I took her from the hall to the sister's house. And I grabbed hold of that opportunity. I said, can you ask your father if I could borrow those Watchmanese book? <laughs> I guess she felt obligated because of this right. <laughs> and Broly agrees. But Broly did not give me a box of books. He said, I will lend it to him five at a time. So five books at a time, you know. So he will lend me five, and there's a lot of books. 
So I would have to borrow five, read it, and then give the five back to him. And uh, he gave me another five. And this went on for quite a few months. And our go-between is Susanna. <laughs> and that's how I get to know her a little bit more and a little bit more. <laughs> I don't think Brother Lee planned this. <laughs> I really don't think, you know. But then I get to know Susanna. And later on, because of other people's uh, introduction, they have to, in Chinese, we have to have a formal introduction. They say, I introduce this to you, so. I get formally introduced. And some sister went to Taiwan and formally introduced us to my father. So it went on in a proper course. And after four years, we got married in 1976. Praise the Lord for what he is doing. And so I think even our marriage is very much something of the Lord. It seems like I at that time has no inclination of getting married. I thought I could go through life without marrying. But because of my uh, wanting to read all the spiritual books, at that time there is you cannot get all these watch money books elsewhere. You know what was translated by CFP and all these are a very, very small portion of it. Look at our collected uh, works of watch money, how much those are. You know, a lot of those probably has it, you know, in early printings. And praise the Lord, this is what the Lord has done, you know. And let, let me share this because I hardly share this with other people. But while we are at this, uh, this subject, <laughs> last year, that's 1997, when Brawley was very sick, he asked a few brothers to come and pray with him almost every day. Unless he is very, very unable to pray, then we don't go. But uh, we go there and pray with him. In the morning, about seven or eight of us would go. And we would pray with him. Uh, and then we would hear what he has to say, you know, what he thinks that the, uh, the elders meeting sh subject should be, the memorial meeting should be, and all this, you know. And uh, one day after we prayed, Brawley all of a sudden said, he said, you know, brothers, I want to share something with you. I think, Rick, you were there, right? Were you there? And he said he felt that the Lord has joined the two families. And he's referring to my family and his family through the marriage of Susanna and myself. He said, this is really of the Lord. And he said, I want you, all, those are all co-workers there, to know this, that the Lord has joined them together. And because of this, uh, how do you say it again? And he, he, he really recommend the two, uh, my family to all these co-workers. I never know that this is so much in his heart. Yes. And I really praise the Lord for arranging such a marriage. You know, I really praise the Lord. And you know, at that time, he's already 80-some years old. And he doesn't sleep until 11.30 or 12 sometime. Because he's working on the recovery version, the Chinese recovery version. After everything is done at 10 o'clock, some of his brothers will come to his, to his apartment and they will start talking about what word to use, which thing to say yeah. in those recovery versions. So he would tell me, why don't you come at 11? So I would always go at 11 and then he would share with me what the highlights of that day or, you know, through those sharing, I really got to know here is a man who really loved the Lord Amen. and really pouring himself out 
as a drink offering to the Lord. Amen. He knows that our God needs to drink and he wants to be that one that could sacrifice himself so that our God could take a drink. You know, all through this, I was so, so shocked sometime, you know, because I don't know if you remember, in those days in Taiwan, he gets sick so much. Yes. Now he gets sick so much. Yeah. And the American doctor said that he just is not good for him to be in Taiwan. Because Taiwan is so hot, so humid, you know, it's not good for him. And sometimes I really talk to him about this, you know. I say, you have to remember, Taiwan is not the only place with churches. You have to remember there are so many churches around the world that you have to care for. And you can only care for it if you are alive. Right. You know, we talked to him a lot about this. But he kept saying that if he has to sacrifice himself, he's going to pour himself out as a drink offering. And even if he should die in Taiwan, he will die in Taiwan. You know, I was just so touched that this is the brother that is before us, a brother that is our pattern. No wonder he could see so much from the same Bible that you and I are reading for so many years and because he can sacrifice himself so much to the Lord the Lord will show him so much Amen. you know I treasure those days in Taiwan not only just because of the God thing way that was being practiced outside but because of those private time that I get spent with him because those tells me that this is a person that not only say what he say, but do what he say. Amen. And he treasured the Lord to the uttermost. He treasured the word to the uttermost. Sometime in the morning, he would wake up and he would call all the brothers to come to him at 7 o'clock in the morning. Remember, he just went back to bed at 12 o'clock at 82 years old. At 7, he called the brothers. And the brothers would come, some of them is trying to wake up while they come. <laughs> and he would say, oh, last night when we talk about this word, here is what I think. That means he was thinking the whole night, or at least part of the night, about that very word. Right. And this brother shared with us, he said, well, we forgot what we are talking about last night. <laughs> Which word, you know? <laughs> but probably just dive himself into all this word of God no wonder the Lord show him so much the Lord just show him so much from this word that he could just reveal all this thing to us now since 1994 when he bring in this all this high peak speaking I think brothers and sisters we have to dive into all of this Amen. Don't think because this is high peak, we cannot touch it. No, we can all know it and we can all experience it. We all want to arrive at the full knowledge of Christ. Amen. So that we can express, all right, we can enjoy Him. And through our enjoyment, we could praise Him. And we could express Him and we could represent Him. Amen. I just hope that we could really dive into all this, you know. This thing that Broly shared with us about how God become man so that man can become God in life and nature but not in the Godhead is such a profound thing. This is exactly what God is doing today. He is trying to make us those that can express Him. And since He is a God, we have to express Him as God. I'm always so touched that we human could be a God-man just like our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the captain of our salvation. He's our leader. He's the first God-man. He's going to lead us into this. He as the God-man will lead all of us into this living of a God-man. 
so that we can express God in the flesh. Brother and sister, I hope we are all touched by this. You know. The Lord has shown us his recovery. And he has given us brothers before us that has given so much of themselves to the Lord. Amen. So that the Lord could show him so much of the word. And at the end of his life, he has come to this high peak revelation which is God becoming man, Amen. so that man can become God. Amen. If we really dive into this, and learn this, and practice this, and live a God-man living, then our Christian life would be full of meaning. Our gospel preaching would be different. When we go out to preach the gospel, we don't want to be just those people that are speaking, speaking the gospel without expressing God. So many times we are forced to go preach the gospel. But when we talk to people about the gospel, they cannot see God out of us. That is because we have not been living this God-man living. That is. Amen. But if we are those that are living a life of a God-man. Even without speaking much, people will be attracted by the way that we are. They will see that we are those that are living in a divine and mystical realm. Amen. We are men, yet we live out something. We have a fragrance that is different from men or just from mere men. We have the fragrance of God that can be lived out from our living. Amen. I also share this morning that in 1994, when Broly started sharing about the high peak revelation, he was sick at that time. And I think Rick, you were still in Texas, right? So, during the Chinese New Year conference, when he was speaking, he got sick. So he was sent to the hospital. And they found out that he has this atrial tribulation, uh, fibrillation. His heart's rhythm is just not... That's a tribulation to him. <laughs> and uh, the rhythm is not right, right? And so he was at the hospital and the, uh, they, they were so afraid that he may have a stroke or whatever. And so he was staying in the hospital. But one morning, he woke up and I was staying with him the whole night at his bedside. And at 5.30 or 5.45, he started waking up. And shortly thereafter, actually this is what he did. He woke up and told me that he wanted to wake up and wanted to get up, wanted to go to the bathroom. And after that, he said he wants to dress up. He wants to wear his shirt and he wants to put on a tie. <coughs> I thought he was a little confused. I said, you are not leaving the hospital today. <laughs> the doctor hasn't cleared you yet to go out of the hospital. He said, no, I want to sit up, wear my tie, wear my suit, and then he said, let me have breakfast first. And so he has his breakfast, and after the breakfast, he's ready to handle the Word of God. So he said, Albert, who left Egypt? Who left Egypt? I was so confused by his question, you know. <laughs> especially a question with such an obvious answer. <laughs> Who left Egypt? Of course the Israelites left Egypt, right? I think even a small kid knows that. <laughs> so I was quite anticipating of what he wants to say. But I have to answer him because he kept asking me, Who left Egypt? 
So I said, the Israelites. I know by that answer, he's not going to be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, actually, the one who left Egypt is the lamb. The Passover lamb left Egypt. Remember during 1994, he started sharing about the judicial redemption and the organic salvation. You know. And he is saying that that judicial redemption, the putting of the blood on the doors, but accomplish one thing, that is to cleanse the vessel, to clean the vessels. But that's not enough to get these people out of Egypt. The lamb has to enter into them. They have to eat the lamb. Then they have the strength to leave Egypt. So he said, technically, the lamb left Egypt. Not the Israelite, it's the lamb that left Egypt in them. You know, I was so shocked, but that little statement and the little explanation that followed that really show us how this judicial redemption and organic salvation works. Today, our God is saving us by His life. Amen. He's entering into us as the lamb to become our life so that we can walk out of Egypt. Amen. We can pass through the wilderness Amen. and we can enter into the good land Amen. because we have the Lamb in us. Amen. Praise the Lord for the Lamb that is in us. Amen. We can leave Egypt. Amen. Today as Christians, we don't have to do it by our natural life. Amen. We live a Christian life just because this Christ is in us. Amen. So we should rejoice. Amen. We should be so happy Amen. that Christ is in us. Amen. He is in us as our life and as our everything. Amen. So our center, our everything should be just Christ. Amen. It is this Christ that is going to lead us on until we enter into the new Jerusalem. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christ should be everything to us. Amen. Christ should be our center. Christ should be our subject. Christ should be our enjoyment. Christ should be our experience. Christ should be everything to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, who, what did the brother Lee share with you and Susanna when you got married? Oh. <laughs> <coughs> we have a we were married in 1976 in Anaheim, California. And uh, there was about uh, 300 guests there. You were not there, were you, were you there? I didn't get invited. Sorry. <laughs> We have our 50th anniversary, we'll invite you. <laughs> but uh, that, uh, I was very touched with that meeting also. At that time, I already went back to Taiwan to build a factory. So I actually flew back to Anaheim just to take my Rebecca away. I flew in about a day before the wedding. And after the wedding, I will leave town. But that day before the wedding, and there were 300 guests there waiting, Bradley came into the back area where Susanna and I and some of the relatives were. And uh, he started to pray with us. And it, he took a long time to pray. <laughs> it was so long that we were all late. <laughs> you know, Broly was never late. But we were late. And all the usher was wondering, is this thing going to go on or not? <laughs> we don't even have the bride or the bridegroom. All of them disappear. 
but we were just praying inside and probably felt that all this outside meeting is secondary to this consecration that he is doing inside inside the room I was so touched by that prayer and then when we came out he shared something and after the, the wedding he, he shared something he shared about uh, from two books in the Old Testament one is the Song of Songs one is Ecclesiastes and he said that uh, there is so many times in our life that we can't come to a crossroad and one of them is marriage and it's very good that when we come to this kind of crossroad we declare to the Lord our consecration and he said when we are trying to consecrate ourselves there's two things that we can remember and one is the Song of Songs that is from the book of Song of Songs and also the other one is Vanity of Vanities from the book of Ecclesiastes he said if we choose the Lord then we will have the Song of Songs if we do not choose the Lord then you will take the route of Vanity of Vanities I was so touched by that you know because at that time I was trying to build a huge factory in Taiwan. I thought my future is all made, you know. But then all of a sudden, Broly so seemed to tell me that all those things are vanity of vanities. Amen. That we have to recalibrate ourselves. We have to turn our heart back to the Lord. We have to turn ourselves back to Him then we can enter into a song of songs and I think all through the years he kept reminding us Susanna and myself that we have to be those that choose the Lord Amen. we have to be those that choose the Lord if we want our life to be a life full of songs then we have to choose the Lord Amen. You know, I remember in 1987 when so many people are going back to Taiwan for this uh, 40 days or 120 days of uh, door knocking. I was really struggling before the Lord because I have three kids and I have a very good job. And so I was wondering, should I go, should I not go, should I go, should I not go? And I went to Brother Lee. And I told Brother Lee, Brother Lee, if you tell me to go, then I go. If you don't tell me to go, then I won't go. <laughs> I think I want to put the responsibility on him. <laughs> but he doesn't want to accept that responsibility. And he said, you have to go to the Lord and see how the Lord wants you to do. I know that if I want to go that long, I have to quit my job but how could I feed my three boys and of course my wife too <laughs> but you know Broly keep turning me to the Lord he told me I cannot tell you what to do because I cannot be responsible for you because I am not one that could be responsible for you only the Lord is able to be responsible for you but then he kept singing that song to me. He and Sister Lee, you know, sing that song on, uh, I think, 473, is it? Yes. Huh? Right. Yes. So this song has stuck on me for so long. But they sing it in, in Chinese, you know. But this is such a song. Maybe we could sing this. 473. Yeah. Yeah. No mortal tongue can air this cry. The freedom of the soul when passed beyond our earthly bride everything is just earthly bride to God's complete control all things are his yes life and death things present or to come 
In Christ, he draws in peace each breath. In Christ, he finds his home. When such as we, the king, can choose to share with him his throne, tis passing strange that we refuse to be our lords alone. Oh, never speak of sacrifice. A privilege untold is to be his at any price in Calvary's host and roll. Arise, the holy bargain strike the fragment for the whole. All men and all events alike must serve the ransomed soul. All things are yours when you are his, and he and you are one. A boundless life in him there is when doubt and fear are gone. Remember one of the last words he spoke before he died is this word, sacrifice. Yes. I think he is not just telling us to be a sacrifice. He himself is a sacrifice, pour out for the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for what he has shown us. Can we sing this song? me to share some more. Would you like to hear some more? Okay. Yeah. Uh, how many of you are church kids? There's quite a few. So you're all like me. I uh, would like to share a little bit about being a church kid. <laughs> As I said a while ago, my parents are in the church. So for a long time, every summer and winter, we go to summer camp, winter camp. All my friends wants to go to movie, we have to go to the church. <laughs> does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> it does. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's just so difficult, you know, because we live also with other people that are not in the church. In school, you have schoolmen, you have neighbors, and they seem to do a lot of other things that we 
cannot do. And one of the things is we don't have Christmas. And they have Christmas. You know, I live in the Philippines. Christmas is a huge thing. Oh. <coughs> Maybe even bigger than here. I don't know. It's not big here? Oh. But Philippines is, I think, 10 times bigger than in America. Because it's a Catholic country. Christmas is just so huge. Everybody exchanges gifts from everybody. You exchange gifts with government officials, but, but of course that's only one way, you know. They don't give you back. <laughs> <laughs> so to say exchange is really not too good a word. But you exchange gifts with your friends, with everyone, it's just a huge thing. You know? Anyway, my point is that growing up as a church kid is not that easy. Because there are so many other people that other can do, we cannot do. And it seems like our parents saw something, but we haven't quite seen it. We go through all the, uh, <coughs> all through the children's meeting and all this. But we did not really get something. And this is my case too. And uh, I was sharing with some that although we knew Brother Lee for so long, since we were kids, and Brother Lee comes to our home to eat a lot of meals, yet that's not enough. We still need a personal touch of our Lord. Nothing could replace that. Our brother can present all the food to us, he could bring us to the river, but it's still up to us to take a drink. And it's still up, of, up to us to eat. There is this, just this personal thing that we need to do by ourselves. Nobody can eat for you, nobody can breathe for you, nobody can drink for you. This is just some life practices that you have to do yourself. Our brother Lee has said so much about calling on the name of the Lord, about praying in the Word, about coming to the, to the Word of the Lord in the morning to get revived, and all this thing he kept saying and saying. But until you do it and you practice it, it is not yours. You don't get fed, and you'll go on hungry. And for a long time in the Philippines, it is just like this. You know, we grow up as church kids. We know exactly how to pray. We know exactly how to act. We know all the songs in the hymnals. But it takes one day when I really touch the Lord that this will all become real to me. And I was so thankful to the Lord that in 1968, the Lord has sent so much American brothers and sisters from Los Angeles and other places in America to come visit the Far East. First they went to Taipei, then they went to the Philippines. At that time, I was already third year in college. In our college, which is the University of the Philippines, was established by the American in 1908. So it is a very, very good university and they want you to be very, very cultured. So there's a lot of uh, courses that you have to take, even if you are taking, as me, engineering courses. So even to be an engineer, we have to take philosophy. We have to take Eastern thoughts and Western thoughts and we have to take humanities and we have to take all this. Because they think an engineer without culture is not a real engineer. <laughs> That's the philosophy of the university. So when you get all these thoughts, the Eastern, the Western, and all this, you know, pretty soon you are as confused as Confucius. No. <laughs> don't think so? <laughs> you know, Confucius never talk about God. Because he doesn't know who God is. He just talk about heaven. 
But that's actually the phrase that our philosopher said all the time in the class. You know, in one of our classes, he said, "Don't be confused." That's Confucius. <laughs> anyway, but uh, as a young person, to be exposed to all these things, you know, it's very difficult for us. You know. Especially when it goes to all this thinking of Machiavelli and all these people. It gets you all confused. And pretty soon you don't know if there is a God or no God. I don't know, maybe other church kid is much better than me. But we are fragile people that is easily influenced. Especially by our professors. Because we thought they are almighty because they can give you an A or a C or a D. <laughs> and at that time, that is the situation I was in when the American brothers and sisters came to the Philippines. But because we were in the church for so long, so they assigned me a bus and asked me to be a tour guide. And that bus is not a huge one. It's only about, you can take about 30 in that bus. And so when I went to the airport to receive them, you know, they arrange everyone according to numbers or everyone has their bus all pre-assigned. And the one that was assigned to my bus are all sisters. Hundred percent sisters. Strong American sisters. One of them is Martha Ball. And also Beverly. <laughs> All the sisters are there. <coughs> so when I took them into my bus, right away they were calling on the Lord, shouting and said, Brother, you should call with us. I thought, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh did that. <laughs> but as I said, they are really strong and aggressive, you know. <laughs> I think this sister from California and Texas is probably the worst. <laughs> they just keep calling on the Lord and keep asking me to call on the Lord with them. You know, 1968, when it's, this calling on the Lord was first being recovered. You know, so it's not like we have that before. You know. Before that, we don't know that you can call on the Lord. You think to call on the Lord so much is to take the Lord's name in vain, you know. So there are still a lot of questions about how do you practice this, you know. But this sister kept calling the Lord, calling and said, Albert, you should call with us, blah, 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 blah. So finally I have to step down and say something. I said, sisters, <laughs> I said, sisters, this is the Philippines. <laughs> and the Philippines is a showcase of American democracy. Oh man, they were all quiet. They know something is coming. <laughs> and I said, that means you have full freedom to call on the name of the Lord. But that means also that I have the full freedom not to call. <laughs> That's American democracy, isn't it? <laughs> so I say, sisters, I'll take you to your hotel and take you to the meeting hall. But well, let's just do it that way. <laughs> so they were, oh, they don't know what to do. You know. They don't know that someone would really speak to them in such a way. <laughs> but they, as the conference went on, we have all these church kids that are acting as tour guides. We have quite a few buses. There's 160-some that went, you know. And so we have big bus, small bus. The biggest bus can only put 50, and the small bus is only 20, 30. I have a small bus, but a very nice air-conditioned bus. 
But one of this, um, during one of this meeting, all of us tour guide met downstairs before the meeting, and we started talking to each other. And we said, what if these sisters, as crazy as they may be, is right? And we go through all this conference, not enjoying this name that they are calling on. Because they keep giving us all these verses, how the Lord is rich to those that call upon His name, you know. So we said, what if they are right? And we are full. There can only be one person that is right, you know, either them or us. So we decided, we said, let's do something here. Let's all call on the name of the Lord. <laughs> but we have to do it in a way that we don't lose our faith. <laughs> I think all church kids want to save our faith, you know. Is that right? Yeah. We don't want to lose our faith. So he said, well, that, so I suggested, I said, there is a way we could do it. Let's all sit at the very back row of the conference. And we have 10 of us there. He said, let's all do it this way. The 10 of us would stand up together. We will call on the Lord's name three times, not more. And before people could recognize us, because there are 10 of us, we will all sit down. <laughs> that way we get to call on the name of the Lord, yet we don't lose our faith. And so that's what we did. While the meeting is going on, you know, we're not even listening to exactly what they are saying. All of a sudden, 10 of us stood up and called on the name of the Lord three times and quickly sit down. <laughs> You know, but the Lord is not something that you can taste without giving you a reaction. Right. It is really something. Just by calling on His name three times in such a way, the Lord was able to touch me in a very deep way. Amen. During that time also, I had lunch one time. We, have, we, we had lunch in a hotel you know, because there's just not enough place in the meeting hall to do it. And so there's very, very many small tables. And one of these tables is Francis Bok. And I was sitting with him. And he was asking me, are you safe? I said, of course, long time ago. <laughs> How could you be born in the recovery and not be seen? You know, that's sacrilegious. <coughs> so he said, well, have you touched the Lord? I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> he said, we could really touch the Lord. And so I said, how do you do that? And he said, well, have you heard of that verse that we should worship the Lord in spirit and in reality. Right. I said, yeah, I have heard of that. He said, have you ever worshiped him by exercising your spirit and in your reality? I said, I think I have exercised my spirit, but I don't know if I ever really worship him in reality. And he said, well, you have to be real to the Lord. I said, how could I be real to the Lord? I said, I'm afraid of him. He said, all throughout my kid, kid life, I know exactly how to pray. I pray to him according to what he wants to hear so that he doesn't punish me. I think this is just like a Buddhist praying, huh? So I, he said, well, is that how you felt? I said, no. 
He said, but I'm afraid to pray otherwise. I pray to the Lord, Lord, I thank you, I worship you, Lord, I love you. Because we were taught as church kids to pray this way, you know, from children's meeting. And we don't dare pray any other way. What if you pray any other way and the Lord is not too happy with you? You know, but Francis that day really touched me. He said, you have to be real to the Lord so that the Lord can be real to you. He said, so how do you feel about the Lord? I said, well, if you really ask me how I feel, I feel that the Lord is the Lord of my parents, but he is not really my Lord yet. Because I really, sometimes I feel he is the Lord, sometimes I don't feel too much that he is my Lord. It's just, I'm like, just not too convinced that he is my Lord, you know. Yet I'm afraid to say that. But Francis kept telling me that you have to go before the Lord and tell him this. He said, only you can do it. You know, that evening, that night, I went back to the Lord and I prayed to him. I said, Lord, you are my parents' Lord. You are the Lord of my parents. And because you have shown to them they love you, but to me, you're not that real. That's why I cannot give myself to you fully. I still want to go out with my friends. I still want to do this, to do that, because I don't feel that you are that real. He said, but Lord, tonight I want to tell you something. Make yourself real to me. Make yourself just real to me, or else I'll just go love the world as my friend does. I said, today I come to you in the sincerity of my heart to pray to you that you show yourself to me. And with this and the combination of pray, the calling on the name of the Lord, the Lord just came in and touched me in such a deep way. That Lord's table that followed was such a tremendous Lord's table. I don't know to other people if they felt that that's a tremendous Lord's table. But to me, the Lord has come in. I could still remember it as if it's yesterday. How I cried and cried from the very first song to the last prayer in that Lord's table. 